Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. I'm your host, Eric Sue, and today we have Scott Gerber from the YEC. Scott, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. So, yeah, Scott, why don't you give uh, the audience a little background on yourself and then, uh, you know, go from there? Sure. You know, so uh, founder of YEC, it's an invite-only community of a top entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs uh, under 40 across the country. Uh, we are in 22 states, several countries around the world, uh, and our average members are doing you know millions of dollars in revenue or have tens of millions of dollars behind them in capital. Uh, and uh, you know we had the honor last year of Forbes calling us America's most elite entrepreneur organization. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, and and personally, I guess uh, you know my big thing is trying to find ways to really help entrepreneurs, both those folks that have been there and are successful, uh, to connect with one another, as well as to give back to sort of the next generation of young people who either don't know they want to be entrepreneurs, uh, but have some sort of like gut feeling that it's something they want to take on, uh, even though they don't know what the right wording is, or folks that don't even know it's an option yet, but for the realities of the new economy, will need to know it as a potential option. Uh, and those are my two biggest passions, uh, obviously beyond being a, a proud dad and husband. So Nice. Cool. So how many entrepreneurs do you have in the YEC today? Uh, we have just over 1,000 at this point, and we've had over just over 15,000 applications for entry. Um, members vote in all new members, which is how we keep it into a vetted democracy. So uh, basically, you know, we, we have more than 10x uh, applications to member acceptance. Got it. So it sounds like you guys are aiming for quality more than anything else. Um, yeah, you know, we, we, we think that there's a way to create an organization that does both well and good, you know, does well by connecting the most elite people who are at a certain level uh, where connecting with the right kinds of people would fundamentally uh, uh, help their business more than just, you know, meeting anyone. Uh, and we think do good because you could take that collective and, you know, sort of create a brain trust that you can bestow information to the upcoming generations or those that are aspirational or inspirational uh, that want to go up the chain. So. Yeah, it's super important. I mean, you know, people talk about their network. I, I like to use relationships more. I, I think, you know, being able to build relationships with like-minded people because uh, that is super important because entrepreneurship is, is such a lonely thing sometimes. Um, so yeah. in terms of in terms of revenue, I mean, how does a group, how does a business like yours actually make money? Yeah, you know, we are a boring business, which is my favorite kind of business in the world. You know, we are uh, primarily a membership-driven business. You know, we certainly have some sponsor revenues, like uh, working with companies like City, Sage, LegalZoom, uh, you know, and, and a bunch of others, Microsoft, uh, T-Mobile, and mm -hmm. so forth. Uh, but uh, what we find is that, you know, as we grow, uh, the more that our members trust us and the more value that we create uh, for them, uh, we believe there will be other services. And currently there will be shortly other services introduced that really can create more value. Uh, you know, whether you want to call that an upsell or not, I don't know, but I call it uh, adding more value to their lives from a trusted resource that uh, they know can deliver. So we'll see what happens. Got it. Okay. And in terms of, you know, I always like to ask um, entrepreneurs how they got their first, you know, 100 customers. So in this case, it would be entrepreneurs. So how did you build up your first 100 oh, entrepreneurs? A lot of conversations. Um, you know, you got to remember here, uh, it was an interesting moment when I started YEC. It started as a nonprofit uh, back in 2010. Uh, and it was right at the time where obviously youth unemployment was dramatically, uh, you know, expanding almost on a daily basis. There were certain headlines saying that 50% of our generation was more or less screwed. Uh, and so, you know, the ability to to, to say, like, I got my first 100 customers is really, I, I built my first 100 relationships around the idea that we all deeply cared about entrepreneurs. 
entrepreneurship, saw it as a solution that could help a percentage of the population. And by building that association and that coalition around an idea, we started creating resources, you know, from what we knew uh, to give to universities, recent college grad programs. Uh, we would, you know, do panel discussions. Uh, we would just do th things that basically bestow the information as young people that we had to folks that were not that much younger than us, but were light years uh, away from an educational or hard knocks reality uh, thinking. Uh, and so, you know, I, I would say that really that first hundred people was over the course of the first year of YEC, uh, before we even knew we had a business. I actually didn't even know YEC was going to turn into my business. Uh, mm. At the time, and, and still to this day, I had several businesses that I was operating uh, that I had since stepped out and run by other people. Um, but, but basically, it was just the idea that I felt like I had to give back in some way. Uh, and you know, not because I had hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank, but because I had information that was crucial to a new generation that was, was, was fundamentally screwed in many ways still is. Uh, so I think we bonded uh, over that experience. And then when I had the idea of you know turning this into a more formalized organization with rules, with structure, with you know people uh, that would be basically servicing uh, the needs of our various members, uh, that, that's when folks really believed uh, you know in me to, to take the step and, and buy in uh, because they had seen what we had done just in a short period of time as a philanthropic organization. What could we do now as a real business that had the same virtues but ultimately would create more value and impact for the members themselves? Got it. And so, you know, I mean, th that word young, you know, the Y in the, in the YEC, I mean, that, that certainly stands out to me. So why, you know, I, I think it, even even in the early days, I mean, you might have targeted entrepreneurs under 30. Um, you know, why, why are you guys aiming for people that are all, you know, under 40? What's the reasoning behind that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's a pretty simple answer. People think it's more than it is. I think you have to start somewhere uh, or you'll be nowhere. I think you have to be relevant to someone or you'll be relevant to no one. And as a 30-year-old founder, uh, it would be very hard for me. I mean, 40 is already stretching what I would believe to be uh, my understanding about an individual to begin with from everything from the personal to the business side of their lives. Uh, and so I think that if you can collect a group of people who are like-minded, who have similar life experience, who uh, really, you know, uh, frankly, can ease, more easily build coalition because they want to be in the room together. I mean, I know a lot of 18-year-olds that want to be in the room with a 25-year-old, but a 25-year-old doesn't want to be in a room with an 18-year-old. I know a lot of people that are 55 that to give back would be in a room with a 25-year-old, but certainly the 25-year-old doesn't want to hang out with the 50-year-old in a non-social in a social setting. So there's a lot of philosophical uh, and, and psychological nuance there. Mm -hmm. um, but I, honestly, I just think that it was the uh, idea that Gen Y was roughly this demographic uh, of age grouping, uh, and we could best understand and fundamentally serve the needs of those core constituents. Got it. And I mean, you, you talked a little bit about how you built up the first 100 entrepreneurs for YEC. So I mean, looking at yourself, you know, I, I've seen on your Twitter, you have a picture with Obama, you, you're interviewing people on Inc., you're doing all this crazy stuff. So you personally, how did you, you know, how did you start start to really, you know, get to where you're at in terms of relationships? Uh, I care. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, that's, you know, in the social media age where everything is a tweet, a like, uh, a post, a thread, a pin, whatever the latest buzzword of the hour is, I think that building relationships, especially meaningful relationships, uh, take real time. I mean, that's the best advice I ever got from a non-tech, non-entrepreneur uh, who said when I once... Um, uh, you know, couldn't quite fathom why life wasn't going as quickly as I wanted. She said, Scott, life happens in real time. And I don't appreciate that. I appreciate that now more than when I actually first heard it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, if I was going to say, hey, you know, hey, Eric, I want you to join this organization you've never heard of. I haven't named it yet, but here's what the construct is. But it had no social proof, no background, no understanding. And other than this chat, you didn't know anything about me. Chances are you probably say thanks, but no thanks. Yep. Um, 
I think that in everything I've ever done, it has been about how to build value for the other person. That takes time to show legitimacy in a world where we are clouded every day by a million and one things coming in our direction, but none of them having any real particular meaning or value. Uh, so, so in building relationships that way, I've you know just slowly built uh, my own value in that sense. Uh, I've been able to you know basically meet folks think that I can prove myself to create something that would be uh, great for their audience, great for them, great for their business, uh, and then go out and prove that case. I mean, if everything from the Ink show that I pitched in three years ago, uh, which is now, you know, one of the top video shows on the web for business, uh, to, you know, to the YEC has gone through a lot of intense one-on-one -on -one meetings where you're really finding out the needs of the other party and doing everything you can to, to build on that. Um, so, you know, there's no real trick of the trade other than to say real time and authenticity, and here we are. Yeah, I, I think you really bring up a good point. I mean, you look at you know, you look at the text. You look, you look at Silicon Valley, right? You know, everyone wants you know, you dump in money. You try to you know, acquire users really quick. You know, paid acquisition, whatever. Um, people are just expect things to happen really quickly. It's very short term thinking. And I think just stopping a little bit. You know, everyone likes to move fast, but slowing down and really saying, "Hey, I'm really going to try to cultivate this. I'm going to try to build and I'm going to try to help versus try to take all the time." I think yep. you know that that's you know that it. it I think that's you know that's how it should be framed, and you know a lot of a lot more people are starting to understand that. So, um, well, it's, it's funny. It's funny, Eric. A lot, a lot of things like when I when I, I was just at a conference of all places in South Dakota, uh, which uh, ironically has some great entrepreneurs out there. Uh, you wouldn't think that, but it's uh -huh. true. Uh, but what what I find, and when I speak at these different places, and people ask me what's my philosophy on how to network, I love that term networking, yeah. which yes. which fundamentally is flawed as a as a you know word to begin with. But yeah. uh, I believe that there there's really uh, one thing that will change everyone's life if they just did it. The problem is most people don't do it, uh, which is instead of walking into every room, every conversation, every thought, when you're near another human being uh, and that thought being what can I get out of this person, what can I uh, you know, receive as a benefit if I continue a relationship, if you just change that and turned it around to say, I wonder how I can help this person, you would be shocked of how much your life changes overnight. Um, you know, Years ago when I learned this little trick, which is now the cornerstone of what I do for a living, ironically. Um, you know, I, I found that just in karma alone, by becoming a super connector, becoming the middle of a network, rather than becoming an outlier of a network, you become much more valuable, not just to the equation, but to the overall ripple effect that can come uh, from the idea of connecting others before worrying about your own interests and needs. And, and it's because, I mean, you, you are showing value and others want to receive value. And because they uh, don't necessarily have the same logic of how can I help you, they're instantly thinking the value add. And then you're just building the circles outward. Um, I wish more people could think that way. It's just not the case. But I think that's a lot of how I've not just built YEC, but how I ultimately encourage people to do uh, anything in their business from client acquisition on out. Uh, because, yes, in the day and age where you think you're going to have an ROI by just putting stuff on the web with Twitter ads, Facebook ads, and you know, and a Google ad uh, to build quote unquote traction to prove your crazy valuation as a tech business, mm -hmm. uh, you'd be shocked that if you actually met your customer, spoke to them, saw what the needs were, that you would have a much better likelihood of referral strategy that way, in my opinion, when you're first starting out than trying to just entice people through landing pages and, and quick uh, growth hacker tactics. Yeah. And there's actually this, uh, there's, you know, I think it was James Altucker that said, um, you know, he has this one goal where he tries to at least connect two people that can help each other at least once a day. Do you have any process like that that you can share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I have a number of different things. I mean, first, I have obviously a full company dedicated to connecting people daily. Uh, so, so certainly uh, that, that that helps. Um, but in the case 
you don't have that. Uh, yes, personally, I'm always looking to connect people. Um, after every meeting I take with someone, I try to find an immediate value point uh, or think about what I would need to create value. I keep a list, actually, as, as lame and, and non-technical as that sounds. I have you know the equivalent of an Evernote on my, on my uh, a phone and on my desktop on a daily basis. It's called a real Post-it note uh, you know, of, of things that I want to do. <laughs> Um, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's creating systems around that because again, especially with the number of people I meet nowadays, uh, you know, you want to, you want to make sure that you are providing value, or at least if you've promised that you have the potential to provide value, you don't let things drop because that, that's a really bad precedent to set. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm creating systems all the time. So it's, it's very interesting, uh, you know, to always learn about whether it's, I connect two people a day or, uh, you know, whatever the case is, you know, I'm always adapting ways to meet, you know, to interface with people and to connect them on almost at this point, an hourly basis. It feels like. Got it. Key takeaway to the audience. How can I help? Just change your thinking. And then I, I can validate that, you know, been doing it for the last two years. It's been fairly recent and it, it, it is life changing. Life changing. Um, yeah. So, you know, in one of your, um, I read in the past that, you know, you talked about when you first started your business, um, one of your initial businesses in college, you know, you talked about trying to keep up with the Joneses. Um, can you walk <laughs> us through what happened exactly and what you learned from that? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, the short answer is I almost went bankrupt. <laughs> you know, um, I didn't even know I was an entrepreneur in college until someone mentioned the word entrepreneur to me. Not that I never heard it before, but I just never equated that to what I was doing. I was producing, uh, you know, music videos and commercial spots for, uh, you know, major brands as a freelancer, lying about my age at the time, saying I was 30 years old when I, I still look like I'm 12, so I have no idea idea how they bought that. Um, but, but that would ultimately be one of the, the biggest lessons uh, or, or hard knocks lessons of my life because I went through at a very early age, which some people don't go through until a very late stage in their life, which is a cataclysmic failure of, of the financial resources you have at the time. Uh, you know, I was making tens of thousands of dollars when I was a sophomore and a junior in college, which is, you know, back in early 2000. I mean, that was, that was real money. And today it's still real money mm -hmm. uh, to a 20 year old kid. Um, what, however, I didn't learn yet. And what I had to go through was losing every penny of it by making every dumb mistake in the book. So to the reference you make of keeping up with the Joneses, uh, I literally would take clients out to thousand dollar dinners thinking that that's what a 30 year old guy would do, right? Like that's uh -huh. what professional people do. Yeah. Uh, I would buy expensive office space on, on leases, even though I only had runway of maybe two months but signed a year-long lease. Uh, I pitched an investor pre-revenue, no business model, no business plan, even though I'm against those, for $4 million uh, without even having an idea of how I would turn the money, but that I was that confident he would get it back. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But what you take away from it is you say, uh, especially now giving back and speaking to thousands of kids a year, even again, use the South Dakota thing as an example, uh, when a kid says, you know, my business plan is 95 pages and I haven't had any traction with it yet, what do you recommend? And I said, burn it. Uh, you know, the, the <laughs> thesis that you, you would think people, you, you, in your mind, you're like, how is everybody on the planet know already that this is all bad information because you've gone through it when you just got to keep sending it backward. You got to keep telling people like, look what the stupidity I did was. Don't do these things again. Um, learning from that failure was, was at the time probably incredibly painful. I ended up with $700 left to my name to rebuild everything that I've ever done wow. and still never worked with anybody, for anybody in my life uh, as a full-time hire. So, so, you know, it was trying, but it ultimately made me a better entrepreneur. Got it. Okay. And, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, uh, having revenue, having some type of traction, right? So I, I wanted to get your take on, you know, a lot of people look at TechCrunch, you know, they look at the WhatsApps of the world, they look at all these big acquisitions that, you know, Snapchat, you know, turned down three billion or whatever. Your recommendation is to always, you know, make sure you have revenue. I mean, what's what's the reasoning behind that? Because if you don't have revenue, you don't have 
a business. I mean, uh, let's let's take this again so I don't insult my tech friends. I shouldn't have said that that way, but let me say the same thing in slightly different nuanced way. Mm-hmm. Most people will never be great tech entrepreneurs from soup to nuts. Not Most people will never get VC money. Even less people will go down the chain of Series A through the end. Even less people will exit, and even less people will exit with their shirts I'll bite not even close to the numbers we're hearing on the tech crunches of the world. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the pure reality, and again, just talking turkey, the pure reality for most entrepreneurs is not that they're not going to be successful. It's that they start themselves in the wrong business. It's that they don't learn the fundamentals and they say, well, I'll start this business but on someone else's money because that's what you do, right? You just go out and you raise money and then you you start a business. And if it doesn't work, oh, well, we'll just go do it again. Mm -hmm. When there's so many things wrong with that mindset, I mean, again, I have the privilege now to work with a thousand of the smartest people in the country. And yes, these are the people that are raising tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars that are going IPO. Uh, we've had six members in the last year that have gone IPO. But you're talking about a percentage of a percentage of a fraction. Whereas most people today, when they start a business, should think of, okay, for my first business, since I have no, you know, I, I don't have barely any resources, likely don't have money or that much to support it, likely don't have major bank financing that I can just sign the dotted line on. What can I start with my two hands today that I can take X service, sell it for Y number at Z profit? Something very simple. You know, take, I always use this as an example, two of the YC guys, Nick and Omar, uh, from a company called College Hunks Hauling Junk. Talk about what ultimately, in most cases, would be considered the most boring, nauseating business on the planet, junk removal. You can't make that sexy if you tried, but they did. And not only have they done it, but they built the largest junk removal franchise in the U.S. through creative marketing, through insight. And they're a multi, multi-million dollar business. Is it sexy? Absolutely not. Their brand is. Is it something that can scale? Absolutely, and can be a huge business. The problem is most people think that any level of infrastructure or any level of of real things versus code is dangerous. Now, I'm here to say at the end of the day that tech has done incredible things, disrupted industries, changed the world, but I can show you the littered past what it took for Uber to eventually have uh, a real value today where it's going to be. I can show you the littered past of other companies before a Yelp was going to be born. Like It's just the reality. So I think you use tech to help structure your first business and get you leap years ahead from zero to no cost and then build a real business. And in the future, if you want to take riskier propositions, build a business that maybe doesn't have the, the traction of selling a client right away, maybe is a bit more based on traction of numbers, you could take that risk, but at least take a smarter risk by first building something and seeing what that really takes first. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it sounds like a lot of people are just misinformed based on, you know, a lot of the a lot of the media stuff that they see. And it just a lot of it's, you know, having the right information at the right time. And I think just switching gears a little bit, you know, finding a mentor. I mean, I mean that's been, you know, life changing for me. And, you know, I, I'd like to hear from you, you know, um, what your experience you know, with finding a mentor has been, how it's kind of affected your life. Yeah, I mean, you know, the funny thing is with mentors is I'm, I'm surrounded by brilliant people every day and I, I'm mentored a little bit by every one of them, uh, you know, because at the end of the day where, where I think my value has come from is connecting these people, but the real value is listening to the exchanges, mm-hmm. uh, hearing the conversations firsthand. Because what you'll see, frankly, is that when, when that happens, you learn just a little bit about a really big picture. And then when you have a lot of little dots that connect, you learn a lot more and you learn it faster. Um, I think that when it comes to my mentor uh, – you know, I've had several that have been what I'll call some non-business. I have mentors, let's say, that help me be a better father, better husband. I have mentors that help me be a better business owner, be a better speaker. Um, what I found is when you're looking for a mentor is to be realistic with the needs you have and, and specifically think about what 
the right person is, not necessarily their title or who they are in the world, uh, like not a Richard Branson, but a Richard Smith. You know, and, and, and there's reality to that. I think people set their expectations so high that they don't actually look at their needs and their goals first. They instead think, well, look at this fantasized uh, reality where I could be mentored by some billionaire or some, you know, 100 millionaire or CEO or whatever. When really your local attorney, your local accountant, a friend of yours who, who's not in any way in, in business but has a very, you know, complete life, like things you can find uh, to really fit the needs that you're looking for versus going for any sort of what I'll call vanity metric mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or something that isn't as vital or important or won't give you as much fruit. So I think it's really fitting the mentor and the need, uh, finding people in your life that might not be the ordinary people, and really spending real time to deliver value to that mentor to prove, frankly, you're worth their time in the first place. Wow. Yeah, that's a, I think that's an interesting way, to, uh, interesting way to approach it. I mean, traditionally, you know, people have thought about mentors just being, you know, that, you know the Richard Bransons of the world. So I think right. really opening up your, your head or opening up your mindset, rather, um, you know, will actually, I think, give you a lot more long-term benefit in the future. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's something to be said about listening and reading to, you know, all of these greats talking. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, like, having Richard Branson or, or you, know, you know, when Steve Jobs was alive or, you know, all these people getting any piece of information you can about their life because they're a role model. Uh, but there's a difference between being a role model and someone who's going to have tactical effect on your daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the likelihood that uh, Richard Branson is going to come tap you on the shoulder tomorrow and say, you know what, you, John, you're the one that I'm going to work with for now to make you a better person, build your business into your wildest dreams and so forth. It's just not a reality versus people in certain groups like YEC as an example that have joined specifically to create and receive that level of value. You're in a setting where you find those people mm-hmm. and then it creates the, the value you're seeking but you went in with eyes wide open, with goals very clear and with people around you you know that are looking for the same sort of thing. So I think it's about putting yourself in the right position and being a bit smarter about what your actual specifically, uh, specifically your needs would be. Got it. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about about YEC a little bit, you know, because you know we have entrepreneurs in the audience, right? So how does you know you talked you harped on this a little bit in, in the in the beginning, but how does someone join YEC? How much does it cost? That kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, so you know, pricing changes throughout the year depending on the number of members that are in the group. Um, you know, we are just over a thousand dollars now. Uh, it's uh, basically about uh, a little over a thousand members. Like I said, fifteen thousand applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, you have to be referred either through what we call the wish list, which is when members can tell us they really think these these types of folks would be great, and then we do diligence and reach out on their behalf. A direct referral, where a member basically says, "Oh, you meet my friend. He's a great entrepreneur, and so forth." You have to meet all of our criteria, which currently is at least a benchmark of a, thousand, um, a million in sales mm-hmm. or a million in financing. Uh, must be under the age of forty uh, and be the founder of co-founder of your business. Um, the, the metrics go up over time. You know, they've shifted you know, since our founding mm-hmm. uh, and will continue to, to maintain that vetted network. There will never be some big mass gate opening. Um, but, uh, but the goal is, is to really create this vetted network where everybody feels that they've gone through a common experience and as a result uh, feel like they're in a trusted environment where you know that there's not just a, a group of folks who want to be entrepreneurs but people that are making the same decisions you are right now or have in the recent past. Uh, so, so that's sort of the way we've built the group, very methodically about let's get the right people in the room versus any people. Got it. And so, I mean, we've had two uh, two people that were that are in uh, EO on the show. So, can you give a little more insight as to how YEC is different from EO and how they kind of complement sure. each other? 
Sure. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, is that EO, uh, you know, and YC, uh, a lot of our members are in both, frankly, because uh, they're, they're two very different organizations where EO is really about business diagnosis around masterminding problems in a trusted environment in a room where people are literally, you know, being very open, open about their business. Uh, and not to say we don't do that, but we're, we're really focused on getting you to the right person you need to meet based on the data we know about you and the specific things you're seeking, um, really get you to the right resources. So more about connecting you versus diagnosing a business. Um, we certainly are looking at ways to help members who want to be in mastermind groups, and, and that is something we're actively looking at. Um, but I think that groups, whether it be EO, YPL, Vistage, YEC, whatever the group, I think that there's value as long as you understand what you're seeking um, You know, in, in getting around like-minded people uh, and, and talking openly with them and understanding what those needs are. Uh, we certainly don't view any of these groups as a, as a com competitor. In fact, mm -hmm. most of them are very widely represented by our population now. So if anything, uh, it, we consider us to be the, the supplemental to some of these programs that have been around much longer. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so that, I'm okay with that, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but I do think there's value in, in, in being part of a collective that's greater than yourself. Definitely. I, and I'm, I'm part of both. And I, I, I think there's definitely, I mean, they're both very different. And like you said, they supplement each other. So uh, yeah, thanks for that. Um, final two questions here. So what is one must-read book for entrepreneurs? Oh, that's a good one. Well, first of all, who has time to read books, entrepreneurs? You should be building your business. That being said, since I wrote one, <laughs> I should probably say not. Um, you know, I, I am really digging Gary Vee lately. Uh, Gary V, because, and I'm sure that I, I'm just another rah-rah cheerleader in his corner, but it's deserved, uh, because he makes a great argument in, in a lot of these books that he's writing about the reasons he thinks the way he does, uh, especially from a marketing point of view. I think that his, he, he has a lot of value to add. I was just uh, with him at a conference a few weeks back, and you know, he was making uh, a case for how a local business owner, uh, if he was a local business owner in a football town, and instantly he thought of how he would break out from everyone else using certain key principles. Uh, and, and it's just very, in my, uh, in my world, frankly, I think it's, it's very interesting because he's speaking for the everyman because that's his background, not just mm -hmm. the tech entrepreneurs, not just the service guys, but really the everyman. Uh, and I think that's pretty valuable and has universal themes in it. Got it. So which book would it be? Would it be Crush It or would it be Jab, 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 Right Hook? I think Jab, 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 Right Hook is is, is a great book. Uh, I, I loved Crush It as well. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I just think Gary is on a, on a good hot streak right now of quality books. Got it. Couldn't agree more. Um, so last question. Uh, favorite productivity hack? Favorite productivity hack? Oh man! So I have a couple uh, let's, that, that seem so meaningless, but so so crucial to my life. Okay, so virtual assistant. First and foremost, whether you have a real assistant or not, uh, virtual assistant is the greatest thing ever because if you teach systems and you know systems, you could literally get your life so uh, on track that you don't have to worry about the meaningless and really focus your efforts on more important things. Things like your kids, your family, your business, whatever it is. Uh, so building those systems around is just, frankly, just amazing, awesome, highly recommended. Uh, second, uh, I have a thing where I literally uh, will remove myself from any random spam email, uh, unsubscribe it as soon as it comes in versus just deleting. Uh, because as of now, uh, at my last inbox count, I had something like two or 3,000 unopened emails. Uh, and so anything that I can do to get that down is probably a good thing. Um, scheduling me time and business time outright in my schedule uh, where literally like I will not leave my house till 10 a.m. at least every morning because that's my kids time mm -hmm. uh, then basically I'm not to be bothered between let's say 10 and 5 
Um, you know, and, and, and really just then it, within the working time coming up with more, uh, you know, hacks within that. So if I know that I'm really productive on phone calls, let's say in the uh, early afternoon or in the late morning, uh, depending on the day or what my schedule looked like the day before, that's how we'll schedule me. So being methodical about my schedule uh, and I'm trying a new one. It's not working out very well, but I'm trying a new one of saying no. Um, I've always found myself to be very helpful. I always want to, you know, give back to those that have helped me to get uh, why you see where it is myself, where I am. Uh, but I'm finding that in, in saying yes to so many things, I certainly am beginning to see uh, that that it becomes problematic the busier you get and the more things you're trying to do. And in order for me, especially to help the masses of what I do versus the singular opportunities, I just have to be very selective with my time. So, so that's the last one: trying to say no more. Got it. Okay, and that's funny. That actually relates directly with. Uh, there's Neil Patel. There's Rand Fishkin, and both of those guys almost never say no. They answer almost everything. And I think just for you, I mean, it's helped all, all three of you like immensely. So maybe it's it's a good problem to have. Um, so yeah, yeah. As long as, you, as long as you have a system for email, so I guess if I listen to the first two things I talked about, then maybe this one I can keep. <laughs> so let's see what happens. Totally. So yeah, Scott. You know, Scott Gerber. You know, thanks so much for joining us. Um, everyone, definitely look into the YC if you're an entrepreneur. There's a you know, I'll, I'll speak from personal experience. There's a lot of press opportunities. You can connect with people that are like minded. I think it's it's a great opportunity. So uh, Scott, thanks so much for joining us. We we hope to talk to you again soon. All right, Eric. Thanks so much. Thanks, Scott.